everybody. Guess what? We are back with the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast. Um, and this year we're starting a little early. I don't know if it's going to work out that way by the time we end up uh, getting them all done. But uh, we want to thank everybody for hanging in with us. And welcome back. Um, um, this year we're going to do it a little bit differently. Uh, I'm Kelly Dixon, and I'm one of the editors of Better Call Saul. And this year I'm going to uh, co-host with my... A former assistant and now an editor in his own right, Chris McCaleb. Hello, Kelly. Hello, Chris. It's great to have you back. I did not agree to this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're here. We're back. And um, we've got some great guests uh, today. Um, we're here with Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould, creators of the show. Hey. Hey, everybody. Hey. How's it going? Vince, Peter. Uh, we're also here with uh, the writer and director of the first episode. Hello. Tom Schnapp. Tom Schnapp. <laughs> you me Good it. way to room. There was this huge dramatic pause. I thought I had to fill that space. Nah, dude. <laughs> Kelly forgot your name. Let's just let's be honest here. <laughs> and uh, we're here with J- uh, Jimmy McGill himself, Bob Odenkirk. Hi. How's it going? And we're also we got a special guest here today, um, Mark Prooks. Oh, great job. Did I do it? Yeah. Right? Okay. Hello, everyone. Who plays Price? Um, you'll remember Price from uh, episode uh, last year called Pimento. It was the penultimate episode. Pimento, penultimate episode. It was the uh, pen- Mark Brooks yeah. is the character that uh, Mike gets uh, connected with. He's he's black market selling to Nacho, right? Um, uh, Pharmaceuticals. A little bit of oxy that I've stumbled into. <laughs> Way um, over my head. One of the things, Mark, it's great to have you. Thank you for being here this morning. I appreciate it. Um, One of the things uh, that Vince always likes to talk about, especially when uh, there's somebody new around um, our editing rooms, is he loves to talk about the flim flam yo-yo man. Zim-zam. Oh, shit. I did that wrong. No, no worries. There's a bit of flim flam, though. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely a flim flam. Man. Fuck. I'm going to have to, like... I've I've shared that with so many people. And if you haven't, just Google... The Zim Zam Yo-Yo Man. Yeah, What's sure. his name? It's K-Stross. K-Stross. Yeah. K-Stross. K-Stross. I'm, I'm yeah. so sorry. I so blew that. Don't worry, oh about, don't worry but, at all. But uh, Vince always likes to talk about that, and we've seen the videos <laughs> like countless times in the editing room. He's like, pull that up in the middle of what <laughs> oh, we're yeah. doing. He's like, hey, pull that up, pull that up. So uh, you guys want to talk about that a little bit just to, you know, um, I know Vince would love to talk about it with you in the room. So It is so fucking brilliant. It is. It oh, is thanks, just, I, I, yeah. We hired Mark before we knew about that at all. And oh, yeah. Bob told me on the set, he said, you got to watch this. And I did. And I told Vince. And it just, we've been passing around like wildfire. We just yeah. always have to check it out. Yeah. It's, so, yeah, d- describe it. Yeah. Well, it's just, I, it's been paying dividends. I mean, <laughs> trust me, <laughs> like just trying to make my buddies laugh. Um uh, yeah, I you know, um, I would go on these morning shows, and I, I booked myself on them as this uh, yo-yo champion coming to their small town to talk to their kids at the elementary school about the environment through the use of my yo-yo tricks. <laughs> so right off the bat, you should, you know, red flags should be going up everywhere. Um <laughs> And so my friend Joe Pickett and I, we would send out these um, press releases. And I kid you not, we sent out 12 to area like Wisconsin, small town news stations that had morning shows. And by the end of the day, we had 10 responses. You know, they're so desperate to fill any time on their show. Uh, uh. 
you, there's only so much you so many times you can have like the area florist come back and do uh, this is what people are doing for their weddings this month um so once i got on of course you know i would not do any yo-yo tricks because i can't yo-yo not a fan of yo-yoing <laughs> and i would talk about you know my awful life and I wanted to do 12 of them and kind of package them together. So if you watched all 12 in a row, you would get a couple story arcs told through two minute, you know, awful appearances. But after the, like the sixth or seventh one, it kind of blew up. And yeah, that's how I, you know, I was living in Wisconsin oh, and man. that's how I got that's out so to LA. It is so dangerous. But like when, when you would, I mean, like when you would go on and obviously they, they found out that it, you didn't really yo-yo and stuff, what did they do like after yeah, the cameras? Yeah, what was the reaction? Yeah, yeah. What, what, after it the It was like a deer in the headlights uh, <laughs> and, and you could see all of their like training and experience come flooding back into their eyes to figure out how to get this weirdo off. <laughs> um, and as soon as we cut, they would, they would just walk away like I had the plague. And then the, it was always the poor camera person that would have to come up to get the mic off of me. <laughs> and you you could just tell that they were really uncomfortable. And I would every time I would say, oh, man, I think I blew that one. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I was the character from, yeah, from the time I arrived to the time I left. And the camera person would always be like, no. No, you you know you did all right. You got your point across. Which what was my point? Was he but, you know? What are so they talking like, about? So like security wasn't like showing you out. No, never, never happened. Never really. No, because they never figured out they, during the they, appearance they, you were scamming. They, really they always thought, thought they I was real. Just a loser for a little while. Yeah, just an <laughs> and guy you just that's a like, bit off. And you just like blew it. Like you just didn't. You, yeah. Oh yeah, and you know wow. I would always have a few beats I wanted to hit for the story that. Oh, the stories were great. Yeah, car <laughs> so breakdowns. Yeah, and I would just, you know, keep. I had no gatekeeper, you know, and I would just keep devolving into a darker and darker space. So. It's so fearless. And so, how do you do that? And that, I'd be, first of all, I'd be scared to do it. Second of all. I'd be halfway through it and I'd start laughing nervously or I'd break or I'd just be like, how do you keep that character in place? So He's a sociopath. <laughs> is yeah. that what it is? Uh, no, it is. That's true. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, think you the get stakes are a, low, right? Yeah, the stakes are low. I mean, right, I, nobody, you know, nobody's going to get hurt. It's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. if it wasn't you, they'd be talking to somebody decorating cakes. It's right. Not, Exactly, right. and I, th I feel yeah. like I think you're a polite guy. I I sure. also you know I've, the the whole pranking th people thing, which is a big part of comedy and has only become bigger in the last twenty years. Mm -hmm. And I see Sasha Baron Cohen right. and do, doing what he does, which you know sometimes I'm like, it's so great and you're making a point, and then sometimes I'm like, all you're proving is that people are polite. Yeah, that's all you're proving. Exactly, is that they will try to be polite and and no matter what kind of crazy person <laughs> comes their way. Uh, and with this, I I, I really but this didn't want to so... make them look bad. Right. I wanted me to be the butt of yeah. the joke right. because I you know I've watched all those things, candid camera. I love all of them. Yeah. They they all make me laugh. But there is a point where I'm like, oh, all right, that's you know it's not hard to trick a person into like you said being polite 
And mm. so I wanted this to be kind of, I'm the idiot, and I'm the and one that everyone so will be fun. making fun of. Did you, well, I have to ask this, so did you rehearse? Oh, no, not really. Did you in somewhere <laughs> rehearsing? Did anyone pre- have a reaction that was, like, sometimes if you meet somebody who's a little uh, sidetracked, you, you can either try to get that to stop or get away from them, or you can go, let's go down that road. Did anyone go down the road with you? Like, go well. Let me hear about your car. What, 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 what broke in it? How can, no. You gonna get it? <laughs> nobody, no, nobody all, went. All right, let's go all in. The I, 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 I knew I would always get a a little bit at the top where I can really ramble, and then after that they're gonna be trying to steer me away, and so I, anything I really wanted to get out. I had to do right <laughs> off the bat. And that was the challenge. How do I get into this without tipping, yeah. you know, showing my hand? Yeah, yeah. And so it, I'd have to work it in, you know. And but, the terribleness uh, of your yo-yoing. Oh, I can't yo-yo. Astound. Really my favorite can't. My favorite one was when you shared your rap for the kid that you shared. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. The Blue Case Angels. rap. Yeah, the Blue Angel one. That's, yeah. the Blue Angel. <laughs> yes. That's my favorite. It's the setup for the yo-yo tricks, too. Because you... The magicians always say, "Never, never tell them what you're going to do." And you, you tell, you, you explain every, yeah. everything that you're going to do. do it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to keep me from having to do it, because as soon as I do the trick, the interview's done. I mean, that's, you know, they know it's over. <laughs> yeah. Do you try to? Do you try to make it? Do you try to? I, I don't know how to yo-yo either. I mean, I can yo-yo, but I can't do any tricks. Do you? Do you try to make it work for as long as you can, just to see if you can? Or you? No, I don't. I, I was just making up names, and because if I did a trick that everyone knows how you do it, yeah, yeah. then they would see I can't even do that simple trick. So yeah. I loved what you said. Something about the muscle memory is just gone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that would happen in yo-yoing. <laughs> like there's a, 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 a yeah. end wonder, date, you know, like a boxer. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, well, the knees go bad or yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you know talk, you talking about that, Mark, um, and being here as well. You know, well, Thank you. Because I know that it, it's one of Vince's favorite oh, things. I love it. I bought a T-shirt. I bought a Zim Zam Yo-Yo Man t-shirt over the internet. Of course you did. But then the damn thing came. It was too small, so I had to give it away. But I couldn't. Was it the teal one? It was not teal, because I hate teal. But it was... Uh, it was uh, Bluish? Yeah, no. Nah, yeah, I don't like no? the color teal. Kind of yellow, maybe? Or huh. orange? That was what I thought. Blue. It Red? didn't matter what it was, because I couldn't fit in it. No, certain a, colors God. you can fit in, and certain colors you oh, can't. Oh, is that true? Yeah, that's how it works. Oh, okay. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, getting back to uh, Better Call Saul, you yeah. know, um, uh, oh, wanted to uh, also, uh, I mean, you know, it's December. Um, we're in about week four of our post schedule. Um, and uh, so we've been shooting since July. And um, so a lot of things have happened to us since we have talked to our audience last February, I guess. Um, uh, Emmy nominations yeah. uh, for us. Uh, for you guys, um, was that after we did the last? Oh yeah, yeah that definitely. came in. Oh, okay. That came in yeah. July, and yeah. and we didn't fucking win, but you know that's that's okay. I, I, who cares? <laughs> it was it was it such was an really amazing, wonderful, flattering thing to get those nominations. It was absolutely, and it, it was, was just uh, who knew? I mean, who thought? 
and and we've gotten. A, and I'm sure you're leading up to. We've gotten a bunch since then. Not yes, these, yes. But, I wanted to because uh, we uh, Bob has just gotten nominated for many many things this week. He's had so many nominations he can't keep them straight. I know. I can't either. I know he got a he got a Golden Globe nomination. Golden Globe nomination. I am shining my tuxedo with real penguin oil. So definitely wanted to say congratulations. Definitely wanted to say congratulations, Bob. So you're thanks. Good Don't, week. But didn't the show get a bunch too? Yeah, I mean, I mean my we, God, uh, Ray Seahorn. Ray Seahorn. How about Ray Seahorn? Nice, nice. Writers Guild. Writers Guild. How many rounds for Writers Guild? Three Writers Guild members. Guys, fantastic. Three. We got best new show, best drama, and then Peter and I for the pilot. Yeah, which was well done, guys. Well done. Very honored. I mean, yeah. I mean. It's crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, we didn't expect no. anything like this. Oh, I, I First, I expected, and I've said it too many times, but I'll say it again, to get my ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just expected people to, some people to go, okay, I'm going to give it a chance, and a lot of people to tune in and go, jerks, you can't mess with my Breaking Bad. <laughs> you can't do it. But people kind of... Gave it a chance. They did. In God general, they just kind of said, all right, well, we'll hang in there with yeah. it. I mean, you guys did an amazing job with that mm -hmm. first episode, which we're talking about here. Wait, right? No, we're talking about 201. We're talking about 201. 101, uh, you know, that ending, you guys. It's like, <laughs> come on. And even the beginning like raw with the Cinnabon. And yeah. The lions, right? It's like a big steak. <laughs> was, uh, but fun. even with that, you know, I mean, I think you guys felt like I did, right? Oh. That we could just, yeah. I mean, um, we're we're all up for earning it, right? Yeah, we're, we're I, yeah. We I did, could take. We, were, we could have been New Coke. We didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, yeah. And and I'm all for hanging in there and proving it, you yeah. know. And I'm still all in for that. Yeah. And so I almost don't know what to do with this, like all this uh, sort of appreciation it's like i want to say take it easy <laughs> please notice me in season three <laughs> please don't just you know just it's okay we got a lot of work ahead of us and uh and stay with us that's all i want to say i think that's no it's i think you know, we are, we're all wired to expect i mean all i'm not just folks at this table in life we're kind of wired to expect failure not success. It's it's almost kind of dis, dis. I was about to say disconcerting. It's not disconcerting, but it can be disorienting mm -hmm. to to have success. But also, I think that the kind of stories you guys are telling, and especially with this show, it's there's nothing like it. There's nothing like this show that I can think of, and I think that the real value of it is going to be in getting to tell this, to, getting to see a, a couple transformations. And, and, you know, the real value is going to be if we get to go to three or four seasons. That's when you're going to go, uh, That's now that's really special, yeah. and that's what was special about that show. And yeah. uh, Whereas, you know, I mean, you're masters of storytelling, and I think you're able to give people rewards uh, moment to moment and episode to episode, but the true reward and the way you're telling the story and the kind of story you're telling and the time you're taking and the patience you're showing, if we get to do it, 
we don't know. But if we get to do four or five seasons, that's when I think people can look at the whole thing and go, that was the value of that. That was the real greater value and the amazing unique thing that they did. Yeah. And, I, and it's tribute to the audience if we get to do that because this isn't like anything and 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 there I think there's like a sixth sense among them that's like these guys are doing something here I'm gonna watch and see where it goes but we're getting a lot of trust from the audience you know and it's a lot of, I think a lot of it you, you, you don't take enough credit for yourself because a lot of it is that this guy has uh, this character Jimmy McGill has a soul he can be he can be hurt, and that's not something that we knew about Saul Goodman before you played him. You know, it's it's. It, I don't think any of us would be sitting here right now if, well, if you I'm had, a broken if you, man. There you go. There you go. <laughs> the trick is cast an actor who's a completely fucked up personality <laughs> and and has pain in well, their eyes. You know, I, I wanted to actually. I wanted. This was Vince on the phone with the casting person. Does he have pain in his eyes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to see his fucking no, audition. No. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you about that, Bob, because I remember, like, you know, when you did Breaking Bad, and, and I remember there were a couple of podcasts that you did, and you were really very concerned about your um, your acting chops. and you know, I am how you still felt. very concerned no, but, about my acting chops. No, but I mean, I, I just want to say, after a, a whole entire season where you are – number one on the call sheet and you have to carry the show how do you feel now what was that like was it very daunting how do you feel about your performance how do you do you you're you're not you're a guy who watches right you watch you watch yourself or no have we asked this i don't know not if that I've much but i do before. i don't you have watch a problem watching uh, okay. myself in character i have a problem watching myself on a talk show oh, that, okay. that is okay. unpleasant so you watch yeah. you watch the episodes yeah because it's me okay. supposedly okay, okay. <laughs> you know i remember though when we were working on season one just before we started one of the things you said to me was maybe maybe i won't watch them uh, yeah maybe, no maybe i told I, naomi maybe i should just yeah. not i don't know if vincent peter would be okay with this but what if I don't watch him ever until the show's completely yeah. done? Mm-hmm. Because as an actor, I hate that thought of doing a moment and seeing myself doing mm-hmm. it. I don't mm-hmm. want to, you know, you go through life and you look in the mirror in the morning or maybe in the car or something, but you you forget about yourself and mm-hmm. you just kind of you know, uh, you, you don't have that second sense. And and as an actor, I worry, I think one of the things that's bad, bad acting is you can sort of see the performer very well aware of what they're putting out mm-hmm. and yeah. sort of very manipulating mm-hmm. their, themselves. Yeah. And and so that was a thought, but it wouldn't work. You can't do that. I, I, I couldn't not watch it because I need to understand the world and the tone True. and it's just not it would be weird honestly it would be just weird although it would have been and great if people is, had asked you, you also, and you had said that's maybe a, i'll get around some to of these things are the challenge of acting you know i think in a weird way um who's the great actor who played lincoln come on uh daniel daniel day lewis yeah when i hear about a guy who is in character and insists on being in character for the run of the whole production, sure, sure. Uh, there's there's two ways to look at that. Yeah. <laughs> One way is, wow, what a great committed actor. Yeah. Another way is that great um, 
and now everyone's name is leaving. Olivier comment mm-hmm. to Dustin Hoffman, uh, where he stayed up for three days so he could play a character right. who'd been up for three days. Mm-hmm. And Olivier said, well, next time try acting. <laughs> and it's sort of like you want to, when you hear the Daniel Day-Lewis story, you go, wow, what commit. And the other side of you goes, well, I guess if you're a good actor, you could put the hat on and play the character. And then stop and mm-hmm. be yourself. Yeah. Because if you can't do that, I mean, God bless you for committing. Yeah, yeah. But isn't that what the job is? But you, but, but yeah. I, having said that, there's there's value to that. I I absolutely believe. But sure. But um, but you know what I mean? It's sort of like if you can't watch yourself and then go do your job, then what do you? Then you shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, you should be able to do some of this stuff, right? Yeah. But you know what? I guess I like that analogy you just made because i guess what it points out is everyone's got a different way of getting there yeah and and if you know for me for i'm not an actor but as a writer if if uh if suddenly you know i found out that standing on my head made me a better writer i'd learn how to stand on my head and i'd do it i wouldn't hesitate the only only place to draw the line would be because this happens to so many writers you know i write better when i'm drunk that's a definitely a good place to draw the line. But uh, right. but yeah, you know, if it's uh, you know, if you gotta wear the hat and have everyone call you Mr. Lincoln, uh, it's hard to argue with the results, I guess. Yeah. Uh, however, I agree. however, you, whatever it takes to get there. I, suppose. I know, I know, yeah. but yeah. I can't just step into it and out like I was talking about. I, I have to hunker down and kind of close off and f- try to forget what I played before what I look like on screen, what the character looks like when he's sad, what, you know, I have to forget because people don't do that. When they're sad and they're told terrible news, they don't go, what do I look like when I'm sad? I gotta do that face. <laughs> right, they, right, they, right. they feel sad yeah, and yeah. then whatever comes out of them comes out of them. That's, yeah. And so that's the trick, right? Yeah. And so to do that, I mean, I, 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 I have to, I do think, more than ever, after all of this, uh, Breaking Bad and, and Better Call Saul, that it doesn't help me as an actor to know the bigger concerns and the greater and the and the the world. True. It only helps me to only know the moment yeah. and to, to forget as much as I can that of what I did yesterday, of what the other character is wanting, yeah. of it's just really that's how i i know i've learned that's how i work best is one yeah i am not thinking about the work you guys are doing and the kind of grand scheme of anything or even the not even the grand scheme the the small the minor scheme sure. that is happening it what helps is i just gotta forget all that shit and yeah, just yeah. be there and feel and and try to know only what i know in that moment and that's makes sense. But that must be different for you because you're also you know, even before before Breaking Bad, you were your director. I know, and but you're a writer. Yeah, so but I would say that different um, set of muscles. Yeah, but comedy is a uh, uh, sketch comedy, which is what I've done. It is a completely different set of muscles, and that's why I don't understand actors who can who direct themselves. Like I could not do that. I I think the only way I could understand that is if the character I was playing was me. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes, you know, you see a Woody Allen or a Louis C.K. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's Louis. That yeah. really, really is him. And in a lot of cases, it seems it's that's his life. Right. And that I can get. You could step in front, step behind the camera. Sure. And it's I'm me. So sure. it's not like this. 
I got to lose myself in this other person's concerns and desires and but um I could never direct myself acting like in Better Call Saul. I could never do it. Because mm-hmm. it is completely, as you point out, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to be a director, right? And see the and, yeah. and to think about the whole mm-hmm. um, story. Since we didn't have you, uh, we only had you for a couple of episodes for podcast last year, and we didn't really get to talk to you about the whole thing. Just real quick, if you can, if you can, was there anything last year or in season one that you know made you that that did scare you like oh the monologue know? with the uh, bingo monologue oh, oh really and you were so great how interesting it scared me a lot really really and I think did you the, like the it scene the way it showed out with uh, Michael in in episode nine yeah although that wasn't so much scary because it's just that's a challenge but. There was a lot of strong, you know, sort of um, gravity pulling me, you know, pulling that character in 20 mm-hmm. directions. And as long as you can kind of f- lose yourself in that, you there's a lot of uh, subtext. Uh, whereas the bingo monologue, these people are strangers and they don't need to hear this and they're not necessarily all that energy and his need to share that story was purely coming from inside him. You know, I mean, sitting across from Michael McKeon, who's also feeling intense feelings, mm-hmm. that that gives you that kind of power. You kind of work off each other. You right, know? that makes sense. Versus a bunch of extras yeah, who have just, never been on a set before and are wondering when lunch is. And, and whose characters yeah. don't care. Right. They just want to hear the next number. Right. And right. they're, yeah. you know, so they're not giving you anything, nor should they. Yeah, they, yeah. They don't, you Did, know, what know what's going on. Did yeah. you like how it turned out, Bob? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was a great monologue. Yeah, it's a great Kelly, Kelly did a great job of cutting it. It's too. a great yeah. story. Chris worked on it as well. And it's a yeah. great monologue, but it was like everything in it that I, all the energy of it, all the desire of it came purely from inside mm-hmm. with nothing outside pulling it out of me. Right. Uh, I didn't need to say that in that moment. They didn't need to hear it. I just, it was just the guy was bursting, you know, and he yeah. needed, he would have said it to himself if he was walking down I the street it, alone. Yeah. I thought you did such a great job. I was really excited because I was scared of it too. Well, the other part that's hard <laughs> for me, and this is much lower level, but I always feel, and this is from directing and running a show, yeah. I can't help but be like, we got to get these old people out of here. Yeah. <laughs> they got to get uh-huh. home. They got to get, they yeah. shouldn't be yeah. working and they shouldn't be you're including Jonathan Banks when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> Please let Jonathan hear that. <laughs> Scouts! We gotta talk. The little prince. The little, the little prince. prince. That's right. Anyway. I'll punch you in the throat. I can't help but be a producer in those moments and feel like, uh, come on, we gotta get these old people out of here. They gotta go home. But that with that monologue, it didn't bother me. I was just so strong and it was so com- all consuming uh, that I was able to kind of just be in it. And also I liked those people. I kind of got to know a lot of them and uh, they're really nice and they genuinely were having fun. Yeah. I did feel bad about you know the blue nature of the monologue 
but once I did it two or three times and they didn't seem too horribly uh, disturbed by it. I remember two things about that. One is that you asked me for specific people to be at specific places because there were there were there were there were a couple of people who you were really comfortable with, who you really liked, and you wanted to deliver lines to them. So we made sure to put those folks where they would work work for you and where you would have a little bit oh, of a relationship. Great. And I also remember you spoke to the extras and you welcomed them and you made it very clear this was the character, not you. Yeah. That you've never done a Chicago sunroof. Working with Mel Rodriguez again. Uh, yeah, amazing guy. As and far as have uh, you guys been watching him on Last Man on Earth? I have not yes. seen that show oh, yet. I want to so see funny. that. And he's, he's really so funny on great. getting on too. He's right. so, so great. great. What a great actor. Yeah. 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 But your big con, the big con oh, scene. Oh, uh, so in fun. The, yeah, but that's just fun. In man. the bar. I mean, that's pure fun, that kind of thing. That you 50 know. cent piece con. Was yeah, that's yeah. just pure that fun. awesome. And any actor should envy that, getting to do that kind of thing. Also, the scene with Michael McKeon, those kinds of things are pure with the, joy. With the scene with Michael McKeon, when you finally realize what Chuck has done, um, did you guys rehearse? Did you guys have any more rehearsal than you normally would do? Or um, I can't remember. I can't imagine we didn't. I mean, we just do. We rehearse those kinds of scenes. We go to. I, I remember leading up to it, you saying you were working on it. I mean, you were you put in yeah. a ton of work on that scene. Yeah. So yeah, they, I mean, they we knew would, their stuff. We would going have into rehearsed. That scene. Yeah, because you directed that, right? Tom yes. directed that. Yeah. Oh yeah. But also, and uh, this one too. Again, that's the thing where you don't have to. You know, weirdly, the challenge is the light scene that's just kind of doesn't have a ton of emotion running through it. Doesn't have a major plot point. You know, is meant to be kind of light and casual, and those things are. You know, playing a person who's being, um, you know, weighed down or pulled along by some very strong uh, desire or pain or whatever expression, you have that to go to. And, and you can, yeah, I, I, I think that the challenge is, and, and I think Ray and I oftentimes face this. You know, and also as an actor, you take everything apart. It's that's your job, right? You get the script and you take it apart. Mm -hmm. But you got to be careful about taking apart a light moment, because you'll start to inject all kinds of shit into it that it's not meant to have. Mm. It's just meant to be some, you know, lighthearted maybe or um, lowercase, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of uh, scene and it and and you can just kind of start filling it with shit you know mm. and and you got to watch out for yourself and for your technique and 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 so that can be a bigger challenge you got to be able to recognize oh this is this is just an interaction it maybe moves the plot along a little bit maybe it's meant to bring some lightness into the story mm -hmm. and so just chill out and say your lines in the right order and you know, you know, play that tone that that it's that it's meant to be. One more question about it. Um, you're in a very interesting position because you know where this character does end up. Does that have any? I don't know how. At all? I don't feel like I know. Okay. Uh, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't feel like uh, I really. 
I mean, I can speak about it in a general way, but when you talk about it as an actor taking a character apart and learning, uh, you know, his motivations and the, you know, uh, the depth of what these guys have written and what they bring to those scripts every single time, I don't think, uh, I think I can't quite tell uh, what, um, how he's going to be pushed and pulled and what part of his uh, inspirations he's going to um, follow and to get to where he's going. Okay. And I don't even, I wouldn't even say I know completely where he is. I mean, one of the things you should, that I think is so wonderful about Better Call Saul and in light of uh, Breaking Bad and in perspective with Breaking Bad is that um, we only ever see when, when in in uh, Breaking Bad Saul was always at work. You know, he's working. That right. was his work persona. I mean, sometimes he was kidnapped, <laughs> and then that was his kidnap persona. You know how you act, how you act when you're being kidnapped is not the same. But it, it's it's very much. A, a great statement about and a true statement uh, that everyone can relate to about who you are when I see you at work and who you are when you're with your brother yeah. and who you are at his house and who you are when you're on your own and with strangers and who you are when you're with someone you are trying to uh, romance or whatever. And, and everybody would go, yeah, well, I'm very different. I mean, if you saw anybody, can you imagine Donald Trump at Thanksgiving? He's probably a bombastic guy, but guess what? All his kids are like rolling their eyes right in his face. <laughs> we know. No, you know. We heard about the wall. Can we please talk about something else? <laughs> and they're saying that out loud. And he's going, oh, darn it. <laughs> and you know <laughs> I know and so and so even let's say what we've seen of uh, of of Gene of Jimmy we've seen him at work and we've seen him at home a little bit but we don't really even yeah. know his whole uh, world it's probably pretty uh, small little circle there's and it may be there's a scene in Breaking Bad I wish we I, I could say we planned this but I feel like there's this Jimmy McGill moment in in this series of Breaking Bad where he gives Jesse advice about Andrea and mm. he says go in there and you know he's you're dropping off money to Andrea and you're like kid go in there and you know you want to be with her go talk to her yeah. and you'll sit in the back seat and you're like what it's like you like I almost feel like yeah Jimmy McGill came out for a moment and then you had to hide it again because you absolutely yeah, that is the yeah. moment I always uh, point to by the way yeah that one where I'm sitting in the car okay. because that was not Believe me, as an actor, when you take that moment apart, you're like, why is he doing this? Mm -hmm. There's no reason the Saul Goodman that we know of as he presents himself at his workplace is purely self-interested and just wants to make money and just wants to reduce his level of stress. And there is nothing uh, indicating that except the guy's, whoever he really is and his personal story uh, that makes him motivates him to push Jesse to uh, to do that to take that action. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
Um, Thanks for talking to me so much. Sorry to <laughs> monopolize you know, the podcast. Better call Saul, yeah. and you are. But but you know what? In the title. Well, also, I just want to say the 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 uh, number one on the call sheet thing, uh, which people bring up all the time, and the lead thing. I mean, I, what does that mean? I mean, you're just an actor playing a part. He happens to take up more space than some of the other parts, but it's just the same job. I don't, you know. The, the only thing I see that's different is that the, oftentimes it seems that the lead actor and character, the lead character, can make choices that really come only from their own personal uh, story or psychology, whereas it's more true that I think that the secondary characters or supporting cast are reacting, reacting, reacting to choices the lead character will make. But even that isn't true in a show as well written as uh, Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. But in a general way, that can be kind of true. You're absolutely right. And I sort of was really thinking about it in terms of in Breaking Bad, you were more of an ancillary, and now you're having to, you know, you're having to carry. And I was wondering how well, that, I just how don't you really felt think, about that. I just try not to think about it. Doesn't, I don't think it would help to think about it. All right. Well, sense. you know, I wanted to like, I actually wanted to use that sort of as a segue. Um, the whole thing about you know where this character is going because you are also tasked with. Um, playing a character who's gone beyond Breaking Bad, and that's how we open our first, our premiere episode this year, um, yeah. which doesn't have a title yet, right? We don't have a... Embarrassingly, we're first time ever we're, we're recording this podcast, we don't have titles for the episodes yet. We kind of put that <laughs> off to the yeah. last. Yeah. <laughs> so this we're one is, we just call it yeah. 201, and, but, um, but yet again, we're starting in the Cinnabon, and you are having to play a character, you know, a, a character, it's, um, what's the character's name again? Gene. Gene, that's right. Um, God, I don't know why Gene, I'm forgetting Gene, these the things. Gene, but you're <laughs> having to play a character yeah, no, who's sure. gone beyond Breaking Bad, and you're having to play Omaha again, and so I was wondering how, how, what it was like for that, because there has not been that much information, and when you're, uh, again, this year, as you were in season one, you are reflecting, again, on your, um, previous persona Saul Goodman um, you know and so I was you know even you guys can you guys um, Vince Peter talk about that and Tom as well the writers how did that you know what is that coming from and you know when you guys started back last year you started back in I think January Wow, did you really? So you guys didn't Late get a break January at all. We, started. we got a little going in December, didn't we? Or even no, oh, that was season one. Oh, December. I'm sorry. They're all so I mean, you know, right did you guys? Right. I, I mean, yeah. think that hey, you know, is it going to be a pattern that we start in the Cinnabon every year, or hey, that's a great place to start? Or I don't know why. I mean, we just thought it would be good. We started season one with Cinnabon, and and it just felt somehow right. I mean, there's no real logical explanation as to why why go back to Cinnabon. It just felt like it was important to seeing the future and knowing that everything all this stuff that we're seeing in the past is connected to something else in the future and we make a really specific connection between past and future in this episode when we see Gene afraid to go out of a door to set off an alarm and then uh, when he gets his Davis and Main job there's a light switch on the wall that says do not touch and he did without thinking about he thinks about it a little bit but he says I want to see what the switch does I mean it just shows where this person has gone in, in these years. I mean, just it's a very 
I mean, it's such a small thing to, to do a light switch, but it shows a very dramatic change. Right. Uh, but it also shows that he really has not let Salgaman go at all. I mean, he doesn't tend to, I mean, we know so little, but he doesn't tend to reminisce about being Jimmy McGill, but he definitely misses. He does. He saw Goodman. Saw Goodman had the, would have had the absolute balls to push open that door and probably make the, uh, the police feel guilty about coming and questioning, <laughs> questioning him. Yeah. But he's, uh, Gene is too scared to let anybody know Saul Goodman exists. And Saul Goodman was in the past and he, he's not here anymore. According to that scribbling on but the wall. But he misses anywhere. him. He, he's saying Saul Goodman was here, not now. He really misses him. Oh, is that the way you read it? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I love that. I, I, I read it as, as this sort of, I love the, well, I mean, I mean maybe the character it. himself is thinking, oh yeah, I'm Saul Goodman and I'm here. Yeah. But to me, when I, when okay. I wrote it, right. I was like, that guy is gone. He's not. He's not uh, here no, anymore. No, I agree. He's gone. But I, I interesting. But but in in my mind's eye, Gene thinks he is still here on some level. Mm-hmm. But but I agree. He that guy is gone. Yeah, yeah. If he was here on some level, he would have figured out a way out of that room no, instead right. of sitting there for two hours. Yeah, he would just push <laughs> push the door open. Yeah. But Bob, how does it? How about you? As far as acting these um, Omaha moments, and what's you know what 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 goes through your head in trying to put that together? Oh, I I just feel like it's a. It's I love playing another side of this guy. Man, that's great. How lucky am I? <laughs> Forget the nominations. <laughs> really, I mean, just to get the opportunity to play a person who's so deeply written and 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 then all these different sides of him and uh, iterations and evolutions of him. Um, I mean, I feel like he's got a lot of the baggage and thought processes of an older person, a person who's been uh, in trouble and and had things go wrong. You know, old people, one thing I'm aware of is like that thing of when you're a kid and you're playing with toys and they go, you're going to poke your eye out with that thing. <laughs> and everyone goes, laughs. But the old person is like, you know, they actually did see someone get their eye poked out once. <laughs> I know that for you, it's like, how often does that happen? Well, they're 70. It happened once in their life. <laughs> they, they're not just, you know what I mean? Like, you live long enough, and you do see someone get their eye poked out with a soft arrow. <laughs> and you're like, so now you're afraid of that for the rest of your days. And and those this shit accrues, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and crazy stuff that you hear happens. I mean, uh, you know, my one time my uh, my son was in a new bedroom. It was kind of in a different part of the house. Since my kids were born, I never turned my phone off or have it far away from me. Because you're always with little babies, especially you're like, oh, the phone's gonna ring when I'm working out, and the baby's gonna have a fever, and I'm, and so I've just. Never turned it off, always had it on. Maybe there's some weird reason, you know. But one night, Naomi, my wife, said, can you just turn your phone off tonight so no one calls so I definitely get sleep tonight? Not that anyone ever called at night. And I went, you know, no one ever called. I mean, Nate was 12. I turned it off, woke up, turned it on, texts from my son, help me, help me, I'm screaming where are you please help 
One <laughs> night in my one life. Night. And I went down there. There had been a, uh, it was a new room, b- bedroom he was in. It had been remade, you know, remodeled. There had been a rainstorm, which we never have. Yeah. And all this weird stuff outside that had never made noise yeah. had been banging and knocking wow. all night long. And oh. here's this kid with red eyes and yeah. texting his dad, please help. I'm screaming. You're the one hor- night. You're a horrible father. Twelve, <laughs> you know, twelve years of this thing. Like, no, I gotta have it with me. I'm gonna work out. I gotta have it right here in case. Yeah. Also, and then I'm- one night I get asked, turn it off. And so that that kind of thing is. Uh, what am I? Why am I even talking about this? Because I'm I'm talking about um, Gene and how you talk about you know if he was Saul if he was younger. He'd push the f- fucking mm-hmm. door open mm-hmm. and deal with the consequences, and it'll all be okay. Yeah. But in his mind is like all these bad things that that have backed him up. They yeah. backed him off. I look at Jimmy McGill as a, as a like a pendulum, and and Saul was like the extreme of one side, and he just mm-hmm. hit that mark. He just swung it back, it, oops, swung it back, and just he's stuck on on Gene now because it just yeah. is all. I mean, that, you got to find that. some happy medium, right, yeah, between yeah. being afraid yeah. of. Rubber tipped arrows and uh, yeah, right. and 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 living your life. And, yeah, and going out looking for trouble on right. the other end of the spectrum. And just to yeah. say about that scene, I was so worried that Bob was going to hurt himself. He was he pound, he went at that door so hard every take. He actually slipped and hit his knee too. It's, it's I think still the bump's you? gone. Okay. <laughs> it took forever to go yeah, away. You man, oh my! Well, like, that was because they uh, had to put some weird little. Uh, like skittery stuff. Oh, to make the door at the slide. door. Yeah. That's right. So that the door would slide, and then yes. and they had to keep adding more, and so it only occurred to me after I slammed into the door. Yeah, to get that really out. hard. That oh, it's getting slipperier every <laughs> to time. To get that wedge oh. to slip out. Oh, uh, they okay. had to slick the floor a little bit. They had yeah. these little like round. You can't even see them. Pebbles. It's you know what they are? They're glass microbeads, and they used them also. We used them uh, for when you uh, 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 hook the car in the pilot episode when you huh. when you hit the skateboarder by accident, and then you came skidding to a stop. Wow. It's the most fascinating stuff. It's glass. It looks like sand, but they're right. perfectly round microbeads, and they're insanely slippery. Because they're perfectly round. Because they're perfectly They feel tiny like ball sand bearings. in your hand. Yeah, yeah. But they're not because yeah. they're Sand wouldn't actually make you slide much. No, more. it'd be fri- it'd be fact, more friction, not less. Slow you down. But this is fascinating stuff. Science. Science. Science, <laughs> bitches. Tell them where you shot that. That was that uh, that, uh, that location. Uh, the dumpster room is actually in the factory where uh, Price and Nacho meet. There's uh, there's a, we just converted a room back there because there's there was no room at the mall that actually worked for us. So. They had this giant empty space in the factory, and they put those two, the two doors at both ends of the room in, and they did a, you know, Tony Fanning did a, and crew did a great job. fantastic job of that uh, great dumpster job. room. Great yeah. looking, great looking, uh, beautiful, uh, black and white. Another. You, you and I always, you're always saying, and I agree with you. It'd be nice if the whole show. Well, there, you know, who knows? Maybe, they, maybe <laughs> we'll do a black and white season. That yeah. could, that could happen. I wanted to um, chat briefly and give everybody a little bit of a more of a look of a behind the camera. And talk with, uh, with uh, I guess Tom as well, but Vince, Peter, um, um, as far as the d- what we did this year with the beginning of the show, because last year um, in the finale episode we see um, we see Jimmy 
after he's gotten back from uh, Cicero, he's got uh, Marco's ring on, and he goes into the parking lot where Mike works. He parks the car, gets out of the car, and he walks toward the courthouse. He's on his way to this meeting that Kim has set up for him where he's going to you know, meet with these lawyers and he's going to sign with this uh, firm in Santa Fe. Um, and he stops in the parking lot. He just stops and he sort of thinks. It's a beautiful profile shot that you shot, Peter, last year. Um, and he sort of fingers the ring on his pinky and um, originally in the script and the way that you shot it and, 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 it, and many iterations of the edit, um, it actually, uh, he actually decided to turn around and get right back in his car. Well, and it's a good thing we didn't use that. <laughs> yeah, yeah no. but, but uh, we you know, screwed. We, uh, <laughs> we, we, he actually did get back in his car. And so um, in the script, uh, he actually made a decision in that parking lot. But we mm. decided not to do that. And, you know, when I, I remember sometime around April or something, I came over and I saw the board for this season. I'm like, oh, wow. So Jimmy actually goes into in this in this year. Jimmy actually goes into the courthouse and he actually talks to Kim about, hey, so is this going to happen or not? And then he says, see ya to Davis and Maine. And that was not really how last year. And I'm like, how can that they do that? That was so cool. Such a nice <laughs> surprise. Yeah, it was yeah, really absolutely. it was a surprise to all of us. So I wanted to ask you well, guys. We don't know. The show hasn't aired yet, so there may be people outside. With torches coming after us, yeah. people may hate it. I, to me, to me, it's it's interesting, Kelly, because to me, it's not a really, it's not a different decision. We just understand more about the decision, and that was we we spent a lot of time at the beginning of the season right. trying to figure out where he goes after one ten because he's 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 driving off, humming smoke on the water, and he seems liberated. And he says he's more or less he says I'm liberated from Chuck's expectations. And we, we spent a lot of time thinking about what, what is his next move. We, we had, I can't tell you how many different versions we had where he, he went to a used car lot and, and, and ripped, ripped off a guy to get the Cadillac. And there, was, there were all sorts of versions. And I think for me, and you know, speaking for myself, the piece that was always missing was what, what does he want now? What does he really care about? What, what is not taking the Davis and Maine job mean to him? And I to me, and maybe this is overly simplistic in some ways, this is a guy who cares. He's got two poles in his life. Two, he's got two stars in his life, two people who he really cares about deeply other than himself, and, it, and it's Chuck and Kim. And so one of the things that we realized as, as, as he was driving away, is he driving away from any possibility of a relationship with Kim? And that was... So we, we decided what if what if he went inside and made sure made sure that one thing as, yeah. as Kim says one thing has nothing to do with the other and and that that I, in a weird way that set the tone for for all all ten episodes it helped us understand where where this guy's heart was and what he carried because I guess that's always the question and that was the question when we started the show to me anyway was how can this guy be hurt what does he care about because Saul Goodman as we meet him. I mean, he can be hurt physically, yeah. he can be hurt financially, but how do you hurt Saul Goodman emotionally? And eventually, eventually we're going to find out the answer to that question, but that was a really, that was something that always stopped us, I think, at the is beginning. It, is it Saul Goodman or is it Jimmy McGill? Well, well, Saul Goodman, it's harder to figure out how you hurt. Jimmy McGill, Jim it, Jimmy McGill yeah. is very vulnerable and easily hurt 
and uh, he's a, he's a, he's a different cat. It's Saul, Saul, Goodman. Saul Goodman is almost like a suit of armor that Jimmy McGill That's, builds yeah. and wears. That's right. And but, why why do you build like that suit of armor? That. That's yeah. a well. That's but a really we, good point. When we were cutting that episode last year, Peter, it was like you know. We just kind of, I mean, I don't know if you were thinking of it then. I didn't get the impression you were thinking of it then. But we just kind of cut it to where we didn't have him turn around. You know, and so I'm just wondering, like, this year when you guys got back together in the writer's room, you're like, well, let's use that as an opportunity. But we weren't thinking about that back then, right? So it just was one of those things that just... It's a terrible thing to admit, but that's true, yes. That's okay. We admit that kind of stuff all the time. You know, it reminds me of Breaking Bad season season two, because at the end of season one, uh, Tuco drives off, and you you have have, uh, Walt and Jesse standing there, and you just feel like, oh, there's going to be a world of trouble as these guys work for Tuco. Where is this going to go? And then season two, the, the truck turns around. turns around. It turns around. around. It comes. Around. A, the world of trouble's right here, right now. And <laughs> we did. For it. And we did. And we didn't know that. We didn't know that when we when we finished season one. Yeah, that's true. Well, we didn't know. It's uh, amazing that 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 you put that scene where I'm walking through the parking lot, and then you put a scene in there. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you guys feel like? Obviously, the concern is, is this a cheat? Are we being tricky, too cute? But it doesn't feel that way. I hope it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And I think the question is, why does it not feel that way? Well, because I think we we have the interstitial scene that we never saw in season one, and then we come back and we see... We 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 uh, we see again the scene uh, with Mike in the booth. You know, I'm I'm going forward. I'm never right, because you, making these mistakes again. It doesn't change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't well, change. The outcome scene. is the yeah. same. The outcome yeah. is the right. same. And it just seemed. I think all of this, at least the way I remember it, all of this kind of started with the very simple thought that. Well, and that's very much what Peter was saying. Kim is so important to to uh, Jimmy. How can he? And she set this mm-hmm. whole thing up. How does he blow her off and not even show up for the meeting? Yeah. Right. And and it seemed like at the very least he should uh, go in and be as politic as possible, as diplomatic as possible, mm-hmm. and say to these folks, and say it with a great deal of sincerity, thank you for your consideration, but at this time I can't take this job. Mm-hmm. But it does hinge on, and then we thought to ourselves, is that scene worth seeing in and of itself? That's just sounds what, what, what we would call shoe leather. Is that just a shoe leather scene? And then came the, the realization, what do you hinge it on? Do you hinge it on him saying, if I take this job, will you and I be together to Kim? And she says, the one thing has nothing to do with the other. And that frees him. It liberates him. And then he gets to say, great. Okay, folks, I'm not taking the job. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I that was a good day in the writer's room. I think the reason it's not, to me, it's the reason it's not a gimmick and it's not cheating is that it's not about a plot twist. It's not about. It's not about. Oh no! There was a there was a bomb in his car the whole time. It's not. It's not. It's not. Oh, you know, the Hamlin actually has another side that you haven't seen, and we're going to cut back in time and, and and see that he's actually he's a he's some kind of he's kind of criminal mastermind. It's about it's about understanding our guy. By the way, it's those about, are all ideas. Yes, you it's, 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 well, we, we may have to bleep those out if we use those. Uh, it's, it's 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 really about the guy. Jimmy, it's about understanding him better, and I, I think yeah. that's I think as long as that's that's generally our we try we try to be disciplined about keeping keeping that and, be, and also playing fair with the audience. There's, right. there's George yeah. Masteris who used to who was on who we miss who was yeah, is, miss. who's gone on to brilliant things that was on Breaking Bad. He used to have a term that he'd use uh, schmuck bait, 
which is which is when you lead the audience to think that there's something something terrible has happened or there's some giant story move mm -hmm. and then the next scene you just take it off the table because yeah. after because you've got them through the commercial yeah. and we try not we try not to do schmuck bait no schmuck right. bait. I just, no schmuck you know bait. I wanted to bring that up because yet again I mean I'm such a big admirer of you guys I you know I never doubt we are too yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what this is all I about. I never doubt. I never doubt that you guys are going to come up with something interesting. I've just stopped stopped trying to, to guess. But uh, this one was was really interesting to me, and I thought that it was very interesting that you took an editing thing that we did, you know, as an opportunity to you know to move your story into a new direction, an interesting direction. But I also wanted to like show people because a lot of people, you know, out there think, oh. You know, on Breaking Bad, I definitely know that, that you know, in all these podcasts, we've shown people that, no, it wasn't all planned out, no, and you've gone very, no. you've been Would very vocal about that. Would have been boring if it that. had been all yeah. planned out. <laughs> we were, you and I were talking for the podcast, and the pilot, uh, the, the first third or fourth shot of the pilot episode of Breaking Bad, you see two dead guys right. in the back of this RV careening through the wilderness. They were dead. I remember. And, and then we decided. And we, in, in we begged you. One, we're like, that guy's he's so good. Yeah, Please we bring the, him back. We, we love both those actors. <laughs> but we saw an opportunity. We thought it'd be fun to bring them both back. We didn't seem believable they're both still alive, but we thought. But we, we did bring the guy. We did bring Emilio back, though. <laughs> in a way, he's still there. He's just dead. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, that's right. We, <laughs> he died a good death. Dissolved, well, I don't know if it was a good death. It was a memorable cinematic <laughs> Very death. Very memorable. Yeah. But uh, no, I just you know I like again. <laughs> your I son just... is dead. <laughs> but console yourself with uh, it was a cinematic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It wasn't particularly quick or painless, yeah. but it was cinematic. <laughs> but again, I just what wanted. What is the doctor saying? I just wanted to bring just, up. You really you know, should have been there. It was something to see. <laughs> That, that you guys you watch are, it on my YouTube channel. <laughs> I just wanted to bring up though that you guys are always thinking and always kind of sort of taking advantage of, you know, different ways that that we tell our story and you know m maybe something got changed in editing that you know wow you took advantage of and made an opportunity out of. I was really surprised when I saw that. I was like, hey, how can Jimmy go in? He turns around. He turns around. We we had that episode that. cut. And then I remembered, oh, wait, no, he doesn't turn around yeah, anymore. So, around. wow, I guess yeah. so, you know. If, if he had turned around, I think, and this is one of the things that we pitched to begin with, you know, we thought, well, he pulls over. He's got a caller at least. And we would have had at least, Calling. he would have had the, the basically the same conversation over yeah. the phone. It just would have. It's better. And that would have been we, got, we couldn't. Then we wouldn't meet Ed Begley Jr. I That's right. Well, Ed Begley Jr. Ed Begley Jr. Awesome is it to have him <laughs> on the, the show? Spinal, spinal Tap's first drummer. That's, That's right. right. That's right. You're bringing the whole band back together. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> true. Bit by bit. Yeah. <laughs> what a great, what a what a sweet, sweet gentleman, and what a great uh, actor. And had I you, just had you worked with him. Yeah. Because I had an idea when we were when we were working with him here yeah. to put him in this movie that oh, I'm shooting right now. Nice. And I, I, I almost didn't want to ask him because it's such a weird little comic moment that's so kind of meaningless. And I said, "What if you did this?" And he goes, "I'd love to." And he did this. Uh, it's just a, one of the great little things in this movie that we're making. Wow. You want to talk about the movie? Say the name. Or? Do you want me to? I, I yeah, don't know. Sure. Yeah. It's called Girlfriend's Day, and Ed's in it in this brief passage, 
and it's just him walking me through a house. All right. That's all it is. When are we going to see it? When, when's girlfriend's? Uh, my goal and my hope is that it comes out. We can't have it ready for this Valentine's Day. Okay. I would like it to come out on Valentine's Day. Okay. So the ne- next. Right so on. even though it'll be done, 2017. I think yeah, we can sit on, on it and yeah. try to put it out then. That's Smart. my hope. Smart. I hope that the distributors will want to do that. And are you writing and directing? I wrote it, but also it was a co-written script with some friends of mine. Gotcha. Uh, and um, I did a lot of rewriting on it, but whatever. Uh, we all worked on it, and um, and I'm acting in it. Gotcha. Hopefully. Excellent. Can't wait to see. Right. It. Can, can you guys talk a little bit about the decision once once Jimmy realizes, cool, all right, Kim is a possibility. He almost immediately draws her into his Cicero world of deception, and oh, yeah. I mean, he's slipping Jimmy. I mean, he he introduces her like almost immediately to slipping Jimmy. And the fun and the sort of the flip side of fun that that can happen when well, you're, well you're before we go into that though, I wanted to like talk to Tom a little bit about. I'm sorry, Chris. Oh, that's all right. Because just just um, real quick, talk to Tom about um, bringing Mark back in, bringing Price back in oh, with, sure. with Mike. Um, and you know, can you talk about to. that? You know, look at this guy. He's he's, lo- <laughs> he's lovable. We had to have him back. I mean, he's once, so once we got through 109, we were like immediately, how do we bring Price back? And we saw in the first episode of the season, we thought, well, things are continuing. This, uh, you know, Mike's still working, still working with Price, and uh, Price just gets a little bit in over his head. He's, Price uh, got a new car though. Got a brand new car. New ride. Yeah, which. Incidentally, I've bought two or three of since. <laughs> <laughs> the matching, the matching sneakers and well, the an watch. investment, you know, a couple of. Do you have a teal one? And, yeah, I have yeah. a teal one. Yeah. <laughs> it is. What was it like to drive that thing? Uh, it's like driving you know, a tractor, the, isn't the, it? I thought so, you had one, Kelly. I don't have one as big as that. Oh, okay. so, uh, the other editor, Skip, has one as big as that. Boy, I have the, I have the baby one. You know, I hate admitting it's fun. Oh, it yeah. was fun to drive, you know, and not have a care of because in the when in between scenes you have to you know reset the vehicle, and I got to drive on you know I well, I would consider wilderness air, you know, <laughs> and uh, my limited vocabulary, and you know it's fun just not caring, you know, about oh I don't give a shit the tires are not going to pop on this thing if I hit a rock. Um, it, it's it's really embarrassingly fun. Nice. Uh, maybe I'm a douchebag. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I really am. No. <laughs> Embrace it. Embrace it. Yeah. I'm going to go out and buy some Axe after this. <laughs> <laughs> Get a Von Dutch hat. <laughs> I mean, my marriage is going to be over. But <laughs> or will it reignite it in a whole new way? Oh, it, maybe. Maybe. Maybe she'll become a moron too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Embrace so, your inner douchebag. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Tom, though, but uh, getting getting price back back in. So was that? I mean, what kind of a pitch was that? That was a no-brainer. I mean, oh, it, yeah. it was. You know, once we started going forward, it was. I mean, he was on the board immediately. We have this board of names with all the characters that have been in some Breaking Bad and and. And uh, better call Saul. And when you know Price went on the board, it was just you know, you know, I don't know what else to say about it except that we had to have him back. As soon as <laughs> soon as as soon as we had the thought that Price would get too big for his britches, oh, yeah. and that he wouldn't need Mike, 
uh, the, the rest of it sprang very naturally yeah, because, because, I, because, because, you know, one of the things that we love is professionalism. <laughs> and, and Mike is Mike is a consummate professional, and in his own way, Jimmy is too. Yeah. And we people who don't have respect for professionalism yeah. get what they deserve. Just to have have Mark here yelling at Jonathan, you don't do anything. Yeah, you don't do anything. <laughs> Why am I paying you? I'm paying oh, I'm money spending good money. I'm throwing good money uh, away in the trash. Uh, it's one so of right down until the decision's final as if, I mean, uh, he's such an arrogant idiot, and and that's what I love playing our arrogant idiots. And this is the the ultimate version of that. You know, he's he's clearly in over his head. He doesn't have the experience or the tools to deal with what he's doing, and he thinks that he can just fire the guy that really has control over the situation. Yeah. Is just I love that in a person. Things are so going, tragic. Not funny. doesn't bring anybody else. Things are going so, so well for you. This is, <laughs> we figured this was like your fifth deal that you had done, and uh, you know, you know, you were stealing pills from work and sure. and uh, collecting the money, and this is great. I think he's in he's in real trouble when this episode ends. Oh yeah, I wonder what's yeah. going to happen next. Yeah, two poli- two police officers. One of them was from Breaking Bad. Anybody with an eagle eye can would spot uh, Stony Westmoreland, who played uh, an officer in season three of Breaking Bad on episode three hundred three, when they uh, when Skyler called the police to the to the house to to get rid of Walt, and she almost said my my husband's a drug dealer, but she couldn't bring herself to do it. Uh, and he's he was great. Yeah, those oh, guys those are both great. Those, both great. Those yeah. Yeah. Alex, uh, Alex Desert. Desert. Yeah, he was. Uh, they were. They were you both. recognized from Swingers. That's right. He's in the band in real life. He's in the band. Scott Band. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, both cool. those guys were great. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. fun playing off people like yeah. that. That you just believe what who they are. And I mean, baseball the th- cards, though? And what? the three of you did such a great job in such a tiny, tiny, tight space, too, with all that junk having to step over. I mean, that house was small. I can't believe we were able to get it. Yeah, I, I mean, that day was honestly one of the most frightening of my working career because I kept fucking up. You and, didn't and fuck up that was, much. You're very hard on yourself. It was re- so well written and so just nuanced, and I just yeah, I kept screwing up, and that's it's. You, you can practice and practice, and Bob may know this. Probably not. I mean, he's the Beatles. I'm I'm the Soup Dragons or something. But, uh, but, That's the first time Beatles and Soup Dragons has been used in the same <laughs> sentence. But, I, you know, you practice and practice, and then you feel like you have it down, and then you get on set, and all of a sudden it's just, I don't know what you know. You we you fix just, it in post. Don't worry. Good, good. <laughs> I thought you did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. As, and as you guys uh, as we record this, you guys haven't even seen this uh, scene. I haven't. No. Yeah, so I yeah. hadn't seen it either. Yeah. So it's uh it's uh you guys are fantastic. But yeah. why baseball cards, Tom? Well, how did that come up? God, I don't remember because I don't. I, I, I don't know collect how it them. came up. Yeah. It's uh, Jen Hutchins. Well, her husband Jenny, collects them. Jennifer Hutch- Jenny Hutchison, uh, her husband uh, uh, Andrew. Andrew, definitely does collect them. And I think yeah. that's my she dad does made too, that actually. pitch. Yeah, I think yeah. she did. You're exactly right. If she and told, I, yeah, she and I and I, if she did, and I liked, uh, I liked that idea personally because my dad is a big collector of them. My dad has a Mickey Mantle rookie card. Oh, I should, really? I shouldn't Jeez. say that to the public. <laughs> I hope it's locked away it, in a vault. I hope he keeps it away from sunlight. Yes, he does. He definitely keeps it away from sunlight. So now we can get to Chris's question. Well, yeah, I mean, just quickly, I mean, that I, that, I was kind of blown away by that because I didn't, I came in late to, to, I mean, I sort of watched that as a viewer. 
I didn't read the script. I didn't any of that stuff. So I was really surprised that he dragged her right into Slippin' Jimmy mm -hmm. and gave her a glimpse. And she kind of liked what she saw. Yeah. I mean, well, she I liked that dangerous. Yeah. But exciting. I always feel that's why she's always been a friend of Jimmy's, and or or you know they've had a thing, whether it's been physical or not, we don't really know. But there's been something between them, and I think she's always been sort, sort of intimacy, yeah. so attracted to that dark side that he's not really show. But she's seen it. Right. So, and you know, when he did the billboard scam in season one, she smiled. She had yeah. a big smile on her face. So that she, big secret smile. You know right. that she, like, his this thing that he does, she loves it, and there's some part of her yeah. is it's also inside of her. So when he had an opportunity to explain himself, he was trying to explain it uh, with words, but he couldn't really. He had to show her, and he saw an opportunity when. Lo and behold, Ken wins is sitting in the bar. <laughs> Ken wins. I love that you brought yes. Ken, wins, Ken back. wins from season one of Breaking Bad. Yeah. Again, going back to that board of names that we have of all the characters, Ken wins was on there, and we had to had to bring him back. So speaking, of, yeah, Kyle Bornheimer, what a wonderful actor uh, and a so great fun. guy, and not at all a yeah. douchebag, but no. plays a great one on TV. Yeah, it was and great. And you wrote some great dialogue for him. Oh my God, Tom. he had to run a dialogue. I don't know how much we'll actually hear in the mix, but he, uh, you know, he had a he had a long speech that he. Uh, he had to give. It's sort of in the background of, of Kim and uh, Jimmy talking. <laughs> you got a Warren Buffett shout-out in there, too. That's right. Yeah. That's right. A Warren Buffett shout-out, our, our, our number one super fan who we love. Do you want to mention who's our bartender? The bartender is a lovely young woman who works with Mr. Buffett, and her name is uh, Devin Spurgeon. And uh, we met her in, uh, we met her in uh, Omaha at the, at the Berkshire yeah. annual Berkshire meeting. She is so funny. And she is the bartender, although she renamed herself the star tender. I think we should credit her as star tender. Star tender, star tender. okay. <laughs> she's, a, she's, a, she's, a, she's a sweetheart. She's very funny. We love so her. sort of jumping towards the end, because we are so over time, um, sort of jumping towards the end of the episode, um, uh, Jimmy's uh, you know, sitting in the pool. You want to talk about, Vince, your, your James Bond costume? Oh, our rich guy's wearing. Oh, my God. Peter should uh, address that. Well, this was we were talking about what does this rich guy wear? And this is the guy one sitting of a, next the to the pool. Yes, the, the, the rich the mark. Uh, this guy who, who Jimmy Jimmy just knows he can, he can just peel so much money off this guy. We were thinking, what is he wearing? And one of us, I don't remember who, rem remembered the outfit that uh, mm -hmm. from fr the Sean Connery <laughs> wore in Goldfinger at the Fountain Blue, which is which is one of the great male fashion plate moments in history. It's just a baby blue terry cloth onesie, shorty shorty, shorty onesie. onesie, shorty onesie, yeah. and so uh, and so we were. Jennifer, our brilliant costume designer, managed to conjure this item up, and and it looks it looks great. It's wonderful. It's got, and they it, got the sewn-in belt. The sewn-in belt. Yeah. I think everyone's going to be wearing them next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please tell me you put yes. money on that's, that. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. But you're needs, laugh, you're Peter, laughing now. Peter needs to, Peter needs to do an eighth season of the show because of that investment he made. Blue Terry cloth robe. Corner the market on Please, everyone, think of a story. It's something, anything. But at, at that moment, that's one. That's one of the key moments where Jimmy's been in the pool. And you know, earlier he tried to, you know, explain to Kim, you know, I don't need to be a lawyer. I don't want to be a lawyer. That's not what I want. And then he realizes that he wants her, so he needs to go and take this job with Davis and me. Yeah. And he realizes that when he's in the pool. Um, and uh, and so we have a sort of a little you know m sort of montagey moment of him 
you know, going to Davis and Maine, which you guys have really differentiated very, uh, very much from Hamlet, Hamlet McGill. Um, it's more, I don't know, it's definitely more diverse. There's a lot more diversity. <laughs> it, it's got, it's feel good. He feels good. Everybody dresses differently. Mm-hmm. You know, can you guys talk about that? And just thought it'd be interesting to have him in a place. There's no reason to not like this place. Mm-hmm. He, you know, any any sane person would go in there and say, "This is a great job." So yeah, we'll true. see what happens in the coming episodes. Yeah. And they're and they're they're so accommodating. I mean, his his new assistant Omar is like, "We can get anything for Coca-Bola you." Coca Cola desk. Coca Cola desk. Tony Fanning. Speaking of our amazing production designer, Tony Fanning, and then. Uh, Christian uh, uh, DiBadoya, our uh, uh, location manager, pulled off a real coup mm-hmm. with this with this location. It, this 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 the Davison Maine uh, setting. Uh, when you first enter it, and you shot it so well, and and, and Kelly, you edited it so well. But you first enter it, that lobby mm-hmm. is a real, real library. Place. It's a library, right? It's a public library, I believe. Yeah, it's and, right down the street from. Uh, What's the name of that damn restaurant? That oh, was the, the Grove. The Grove. Oh, the Grove. And, the, and the, the Standard. Grove. The Standard. Oh, the it's right down the street from the Standard. Yeah. Oh, on, uh, it, on Route 66. Yeah, you can on, see. On, you can, uh, see, you can stand Avenue. in front of that library and see the Standard. Right it's, a quick, the it's, it's a quick. It's uh, a quick half block or so from where uh, Lydia and Walt did all their deals. That's dealings. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And where she got poisoned. That's right. Uh, in the final episode. And then uh, so that's a beautiful uh, use of uh, a real location with some uh, judicious dressing, and then. Uh, and then when they go into the bullpen area with all the desks and whatnot, that's an amazing set that uh, was uh, that uh, stage. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Really beautiful. Our, our uh, construction and then, coordinator. And then Tom, built, you're, oh, sorry, you, uh, yeah, yeah. you already talked about um, the light switch, and at some some place somewhere, somebody just dropped dead or something. <laughs> <laughs> some bird. We're we're, we're really okay to the public listening to this. We're looking for some good some good memes or whatever whatever the kids are calling them you know we want to see what that light switch mm-hmm. does so you yeah, can cut yeah. like somebody running through on fire or something I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a building exploding that's a that's an obvious one but uh what do you think it actually does or does it even i don't matter? think it does anything yeah yeah i've seen those light switches in in yeah. places and they you know do not touch and do you like, touch them in real life what are you talking about <laughs> 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 my mind went somewhere dirty um, <laughs> but have you ever switched off a no, switch that said no. don't? I play by the, the rules, Vince. Do you? You play yeah. by the rules. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk right, just right quick um, about the little? I know people were, will think that it's a it's a, a visual effect or something like the pizza, but about our hummingbird in the in the price oh, yeah. scene. And the, you don't know this in in this in your scene with Nacho Bark. Uh, we have this giant wide shot of the factory, and for whatever reason, a hummingbird flew into frame, stopped dead center, hovered there for wow. a, a second, and flew out again. Wow. And awesome. Kelly that's used awesome. it in the cut, and I was like, It was amazing. I saw it, and I'm like, wow, th- we have to use this. And then I and showed left it, it in. I showed yeah. it to Tom, I said, because, you know, on the set, they have, uh, they usually have a, a video monitor feed of all yeah, the cameras. And I said, "Did you did you by chance see this?" And you know, he said he didn't see it. Tom was off drinking. It's like we couldn't believe it. <laughs> and it was so, an unmanned camera, right? So yeah, it was an unmanned camera up on a crane. Yeah. Wow, well, it happened so fast. Yeah. And then yeah. it was funny because when you were in my room, you're like, "That's great, but what does it mean?" <laughs> yeah. And so then I'm like, "Well, we definitely have to find a use for this." It's a drone. It's <laughs> <laughs> set by another TV show. It's a crossover. <laughs> <laughs> they're on CSI something they're watching. 
That's great. But it was really, it was pretty amazing. It seemed wrong to not use it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like, that's like a, yeah, I was such glad a serendipitous moment. Know. Although it's such a weird time we're living in, uh, both good and bad, mostly good, I guess. But we could have digitally erased it, so you would have never known it was there. We mm-hmm. could have changed it to a dinosaur. I mean, we mm-hmm. can do anything now. But it just the very fact, I think, when things are real, captured reality, captured on, on camera, mm-hmm. somehow they become more precious in a in a day and age where you can fake well, anything. We're I wrapping th- up. We didn't get to talk about Zafiro and Yeho. Oh, oh yeah, dude, oh, that's, yeah. Talk about it. We brought it's the it's the it's the uh, the, the, the liquor, fifty dollar shots the tequila that, the tequila that uh, Gus Fring used to poison uh, uh, Don Eladio back in season four <laughs> of Breaking Bad. And let me ask you this too, because you said I think Tom, you said you guys had to recreate the bottle. The bottle, uh, it was actually what we did on Breaking Bad. There is for bottle collectors, and there are folks who collect bottles. Uh, that is a somewhat well-known uh, antique bottle called a, I believe it's called a Ginny Lind bottle. That's what we based the. Uh, the bottle on but uh and then we had a sculptor sculpt that agave uh that copper agave uh stopper didn't they, you tell yeah. me that they put the name on it they sculpted the words zafiro and yeho they somehow <laughs> created a a uh, 3d printed bottle so it's actually not a real glass bottle i don't think or yeah, no no i'm sorry no no they made a mold i'm sorry they made a mold out of a 3d printed yeah, they made the mold was 3D thing and, and then the, and then they blew a glass yeah, bottle it is a real always, glass there's bottle. always some wow. imperfections yeah, yeah. in the bottle a little bit yeah. different yeah, yeah. That, but they were hand yes that's right that's what it is but nice. amazingly i'm not gonna say hand blown around here as we're wrapping up the artists by the way the upside down man painting yeah. was an artist named miles toland oh miles yeah. toland did a great then, job and then all the train paintings that are you know and in, in the desert paintings that are in the office as well is uh, francis defranzo and, uh, and we didn't mention uh uh the the beautiful and talented uh ray seahorn is so damn good i tell you i just gotta say that scene and you haven't even seen it yet oh, the scene man. at the end of what is it act two when yeah. you two have just done the scam on ken wins we gotta have a real last name for Ken. Oh, it's oh, so oh, it's good. good. Everybody did such a great job, but she is so adorable. And that moment between the two of you is so. There's you guys have such chemistry. It is. Uh, it's it's such a great great mm-hmm. moment. I can't wait to have her on the podcast. It's something. It's, something. Yeah, it's, it's, got, a, it's got a tone that we've never done before. The toothpaste scene, so I love. I mean, you guys. Oh, the toothpaste you guys scene is great. About those scenes where there's just a light moment. I mean, it's. It, it is. There's not a lot happens in it, but it tells so much about you two. It's, mm-hmm. it's great. When you use her uh, her finger to brush your yes. teeth, and yeah. her t- both of you guys are just just so good in that scene, and she. Yeah, her t- comic timing there was like, well, I'm fine with this. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, <laughs> that's it's, it's just great. I can't well, wait it's real acting, Vince, it's because awesome. I will not talk to that woman. <laughs> Ten feet of her, unless you write me. And we'll yeah, talk a, about it during contract. Yeah, when we filmed, <laughs> when we filmed that, Bob and Ray were actually problem. not in the same room together. We digitally. <laughs> Married them two together, like De Niro and Pacino. Yes. Yeah, Heat, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Bob, you joke. Very contentious. You joke, but she she really does hate you. <laughs> no, I, 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 man, thank you for that, Mark. But I was joking, and you're right. <laughs> Thanks for informing me. 
I guess we gotta hate to yeah. say it. We yep. wrap this yeah. up. It's been really long, but that's okay. You know, it's the first episode. And I had so much more happens. to say. There's there is well, so stay. much more to you say. Can, you can like, stay and do and the folks next will be show. hearing more about this episode when we do. I'm sure when we do, as we always do the uh, uh, what do you call it? The, the DVD commentary. DVD commentary. Yeah. Got, this was free, folks. Now go buy the damn DVDs. That's right. <laughs> Come on. That's where all the good stuff comes out. Hey, and uh, so Chris, what are you working on now? You were you were Kelly's assistant on on uh, on the, on the. Air call Saul, That's and then right. uh, now, but you're an editor, and I'm editing right? on Fear the Walking Dead. Right awesome, now. Oh, yeah. great, cool, awesome. And since we did this, I also was on Halt and Catch Fire. Yes, another awesome show. Uh, yeah, things are good. Yeah, all right. And it's good to be back here. Heard I pitched a show during this podcast that I want to be on one day. Oh, which, you, did you catch that? No, which one? Any of you show creators? <laughs> CSI whatever. Yeah. <laughs> CSI whatever. <laughs> I like it. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, th- wait. Uh, I just want to say thanks, everybody, for coming in. And, uh, you know, this uh, was uh, episode 201, 201 that we don't have a title for yet. I pitched some names, but they didn't, I guess I didn't hear back. I guess they didn't like it. <laughs> when and, did you um, pitch them? I gave I gave a list to Jen. Oh, we oh seen she, she doesn't. She just keeps oh. those things. She never shows them to us. Yeah, okay. She never but, just, uh, things would upset us. She yeah. never shows us. <laughs> but uh, just start ranting and raving and throwing furniture around. Thank you, especially Bob and Mark and Tom and Thank you. Vince and Peter and Chris, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, this was cool. And uh, we'll see y'all next week. Better call Saul. Yeah. Yay! <laughs>